the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. To have faith in God is not a stagnant state. It's a journey. As believers, we should grow in our knowledge of God and His Word. Walk with Alan Cutting and many other believers as we walk the believer's journey. Aloha and welcome to the believer's journey. I want to thank everybody for your support, for your prayers, for uh, everything you do for us, for watching, for sharing our program. I do want to encourage you, if you haven't subscribed to our program, that you uh, go to YouTube, get into our uh, channel, and subscribe. Uh, it makes it easier to find us. And do share our, our uh, videos to other people. It would be kind of nice. We do reach anyone around the world, and it's been kind of cool. The different people I get questions from and we get uh, comments from. Anyway, today, um, my guest is Joe Carroll. He's from uh, the Biblical Leadership of it for Excellence, and he is the Executive Director. And good morning. Good morning, Alan. Thank you for having me. It's a privilege to be here. It's my pleasure. Um, anyway, so how long have you been with um, BLE? Well, I was fortunate to help start the ministry back in the 80s. Uh, it's a long story that we can walk him to go into, but three older gentlemen and myself started getting together, um, and um, they had a lot more acumen than I had at the time. I was in my uh, mid to late 20s. And we just felt like there was a big disconnect between what people were doing on Sunday and what they ended up doing on Monday through the rest of the week. And, and so we started meeting and praying. And uh, one of the fellows uh, had, was the co-founder of Alamo Cafe and, and Wendy's franchise here, the Wendy's restaurants. And another one was in the personnel business. The other one was in the banking business. I was in real estate. And so we started meeting in my real estate office, literally probably just two miles from here. Uh, and we started praying, and from that we started some groups, and it took off. Um, uh, it, it was one it was one of those things where we weren't looking to start an organization, but the organism started growing and blossoming to a point where people said, "Hey, I, I tell me more. I want to know more about how to do that." And so that's how it started. So I've been uh, involved off and on um, at different times as a volunteer, as a leader, as a board member. Uh, and then about uh, six years ago, I stepped in the current role that I have now as executive director. And just a side note here, you're also the vice president for Cavender and Hill Properties? Yes, I am. So my my vocational uh, career started in commercial real estate. I worked for uh, the largest developer in the city back in the 80s at that time. And... Um, and so I've had a 41-year career now in commercial real estate. I, I do very little there now. I'm a partner there, and uh, it's a great, great group of people. feel honored to be associated with, uh, with uh, Cavender Hill Properties. We're uh, leading. We mainly lease and, and uh, uh, do commercial real estate in, in warehouses, industrial properties. So a lot of, it's not real fancy stuff. But it's a very, very integral part of our, our infrastructure here in San Antonio is logistics. And so 
Uh, I they're more of a support role right now. The uh, many of the other people are doing the doing the heavy lifting in the company now, but privileged to still be involved. And they let me come in the office from time to time, so <laughs> it's good. But overall, you're probably a pretty busy guy. Yeah, it's been active because my current role evolved. Um, uh, some years back, our current or previous executive director passed away suddenly, and I was very involved in in uh, in leading in the board. Uh, and so um, this role kind of was a, a transition over the last six years where I'm, I spend most of my time now doing this. I spend 30 to 40 hours a week uh, wow. leading the ministry. So, so if you're interested in, uh, just a, real quick here, um, on our website, uh, thebelieversjourney.net, if you go to our guest page, uh, you'll find um, Joe's picture there with a little write-up. And you'll also, if you click on the lo- logo there on the right-hand side, you can get right to their website, go through their website. You've got our contact information mm-hmm. right on our website as well as there uh, the BLE's website. Thank you. So, so basically, let's talk about um, biblical liter- leadership. Okay, I, I, you know, it's been one of my um, things as well, mm-hmm. you know, so I... I um, yeah, because you have a business background, I know, right? Well, or, I really... Or, or no, you had, you had a, work, a different vocational background other than business, all right, yeah. Kind of. Yeah. I'm actually been a minister and a okay. Bible teacher uh-huh. for, for 40 years or more. That's my profession. Yeah. But I happened to uh, marry a girl whose father owned a business... And then after we got married, um, I was teaching at a Christian um, university. I was a mm. Bible professor there. And um, all of a sudden I resigned mm. from my position, and I decided to ride around with my wife. I, I was like, what do you do? <laughs> <laughs> and it was really kind of, yeah. So it was enlightening because uh-huh. she would drive around these apartment buildings, and, and they had flags, and they'd give away coffee mugs, yeah. and they do pens with your name right. on it. Right. So, so I got the idea what they did. Then I started talking to her about, well, so anybody who has a business can use you for promotional stuff. Yeah. And she said, well, yeah, like this you know, strip mall, anybody who has a business. Uh-huh. So then I realized, oh, anybody who has a business you is actually could your, be your potential partner. And she said, well, yes. Oh, wow. Then why do you go to apartments only? Well, that's the way my dad trained me. Wow. But the whole city here is totally sure. open. Well, then, because I was really not doing much, um, <clears throat> I uh, decided to learn how to design websites. So I designed a website. Wow. I used a Microsoft front page. Mm-hmm. It was hokey. Mm-hmm. It was really... And the, what, the hokey part of it was, I thought, you know, if I had a blue background with this color and new, and whatever, it would stand out. And, and it was just <laughs> funny looking. But I didn't... The first year, it didn't make anything. No mm-hmm. money whatsoever. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what I'm doing in business because I don't know. The story goes on. It is why I'm telling you this. So... Uh, I ran into a guy who owns, he's passed away since then, uh, the Wooden Nickel Company mm. here in San Antonio. And so I told him what I'd done. He says, well, you've got to advertise. You, people don't just go to the Internet and find you. <laughs> oh, well, you know, I didn't know. So he says, yeah, well, back then Google wasn't anything. Uh-huh, it was right. Yahoo. Yeah. So it was like 19, 2003. Got it. Yahoo. So you go to Yahoo, you got to set up an account. Back then it was like $200 for an account. Now it's free. So you do this, and you go to pay-per-click. And so we really didn't have much money at all. And so we asked her dad to invest, and we'll give him a, a big percentage back. Mm-hmm. And he was making good money. Yeah. And we all of a sudden, 
it was like we struck gold. Hmm. And people were calling from all over the country. And we were realizing we were missing mm-hmm. so many phone calls mm-hmm. every day because they'd call, we wouldn't be there, or we couldn't get mm-hmm. to it, and they'd go back to the Internet and, and so forth. So I decided to, or, or we'd call them back, mm-hmm. and they would say, oh, well, we already ordered from somewhere else. Mm-hmm. I'm like, really? So I built a second website with a different name with all the same stuff on mm-hmm. it and a different phone number. So I was like, we started getting both calls, and we literally, <laughs> literally doubled our income. Yeah. Wow. And after eight months or so, we built a third one, and we literally, <laughs> there's another same amount. That's right. And we just became bigger and bigger. Well, the whole thing is, is that I'm not a business whiz at all. And so when I've gone to Moldova uh-huh. several years, and I have this um, missionary over there, uh-huh. he, he teaches at the school. And he teaches business. And he wanted me to come teach his, talk to his kids uh-huh. about business because I was so successful. I'm like, well, uh, I'm really not qualified to teach or, or talk to any students in a business court, class. And he says, yeah, but you've done so well. He says, the only reason that God has blessed mm-hmm. us is because we honor him mm-hmm. in our business. Mm-hmm. That basically he's in control. He's mm-hmm. the owner of our business. We, we don't, you know, we make sure that our integrity mm-hmm you know, is at the standard that God is at. Mm -hmm. And that's the only reason we're doing anything that we're doing. Otherwise, I'm sure I'd fall flat on my face because I don't know anything in business. Yeah, he does that. So that's where my business stuff is. And and God has blessed us. I mean, we're making a living. Uh Uh, We own a home, and it's kind of nice. You know, and now we're, we're kind of making ends meet. I'm almost 70, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm still having to work. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's like, oh, man, I really want to get more so on, on the, the believer's journey and get uh-huh, that sure. out more and right. more. Yeah. So it's an interesting thing. But, yeah, no, business is, you know, I, I for some reason I have a business mind. My wife can sell ice to a, you know, up in Alaska. Yeah, Alaska, she, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she yeah. she can do sell like crazy. Uh-huh. We've had people call and I'm going to cancel my order because it's that. And I say, well, let me give you that department, hand it over to my wife. Not only will she save the sale, she'll mm-hmm. sell something else. Mm-hmm. I'm like, how do you do that? <laughs> you know. So she's the ultimate salesperson, mm-hmm. and she really is mm-hmm. good at it. So there's my business mm-hmm. background. Well, you've learned some important things that you shared with others, so that's good, yeah. Well, I think that in anything we do, and this this fits with with your Mm -hmm. uh, ministry, anything we do, you know, God needs to be edified and glorified (laughs) and honored to the the degree that he basically is in control of our actions Mm -hmm. in business. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, in any kind of work, and that's that's what we saw. the The disconnect was that, uh, um, you know, what is? I mean, I know our topic is what is God's will in, in work, and and we saw so many situations, Alan, where people were doing well in their work, uh, and then there are people who weren't doing well in their work, and so the purpose for work is the same whether you're doing well or not doing well. And so you're hitting on, I mean, you hit on the things there of the integrity aspect. And one of our core, our, our core parts of, of, of what we were found on was the whole idea of, of Jesus being a servant leader. And that term is very frequently used today. It wasn't that used back uh, in, in the 1980s. And, uh, and what we were really 
uh, interested in, and, and this is our little logo, and they'll see if they go to our website, is the inverted pyramid. And at that point in time, it was rather novel. That wasn't used a lot in, in organizations, not just business, but all organizations. And as you know, when Jesus came, he inverted the whole leadership hierarchy. He said, if you want to become great, you become the servant. And so we, we basically said, hey, this ought to be a foundational point for any kind of work that anybody does is that, is that we're here to serve him. And you're familiar with Colossians 3, 23 and 24, where it says, whatever you do, uh, work at it with all your heart as what? As working for the Lord and not for man. Because it's the Lord Christ you serve. And so it's like, wow, that no matter work, whatever work I do, as long as it's legitimate uh, work, that I really do work for the Lord and that it's not where my paycheck comes from. And so it's elevating that perspective for people in the workplace so they say, yeah, okay, whenever I'm building a website or selling promotional materials, I really work for a higher source. Mm-hmm. Uh, and man is just the vehicle that God gives, provides profit or means or whatever it is through it. And so we invert that, that pyramid and we tell people whenever – Whenever, if you end up buying a business or owning a business like what you, you and your wife have now, uh, or if you be, get promoted as a manager in your company and you start overseeing people, is that that promotion doesn't put you at a higher level of privilege. It puts you at a higher level of service. service. Yeah. And so I try to encourage people when, whenever they're, they're considering a promotion, I say, are you, are you ready it's not just about you getting more recognition or more rewards or more compensation. Are you ready to serve a broader base of people theologically, emotionally, spiritually? Are you ready for that? Because mm-hmm. it's not just about you. It's about a higher privilege to serve. And that, again, that, that reframes that whole mentality. Oh, yeah, okay, when I get up and go to work in the morning, I work for a greater source in terms yeah. of what we do. You know, and, I, and as you're talking, I'm thinking, and it, in my area, it's, it it's, doesn't only stop there in the business world. It's also in in churches yes. and Christian schools, the same thing. Pastors, same thing. a pastor, mm-hmm. a minister, literally is a servant. Mm-hmm. I mean, the pastors who decide that they're that they're the guy with the, the big, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. strong arm, and they're too, too up to high to be mm-hmm. a servant. It's, they're not in the right position. But it's really true. I think the yeah. servant of Jesus and, came and he, to serve, and he said this. So I think that's a really important aspect. Yeah, so any any kind of work, that's foundational. And, and any kind of position of authority as a parent, mm-hmm. uh, as a principal of a school or a Bible teacher, you know, whenever we, we step in and we have the, the privilege of having authority, that authority is delegated to us only as a stewardship to serve. And so, uh, uh, and so we have to have. It's easy to to say it in words, but it's a lot of people. They have a hard time grasping that in yeah. terms of they'll, they'll 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 do it till it starts to cost them something, and then they say, "Well, no, you know, this is about me. You know, I'm not getting paid what I'm supposed to be paid, or whatever it is." And so, you know, it's interesting. I uh, one of my best friends. Um, I got to think how to say this because I don't think we can mention business names on, on here. Uh, one of the largest insurance companies in the country. Mm-hmm. That's that's a way to put okay. it. Yeah. Am I safe? <laughs> okay. Uh, he was a, a senior vice president for this company, and before work, before the day started, mm-hmm. in his office, he would have a Bible study. Mm-hmm. 
until somebody got bothered about it, decided they were offended, mm-hmm. and reported mm-hmm. it above mm-hmm. and decided, you know, and they came down on it and says, you know, you can't do this. Mm-hmm. So instead of saying, well, okay, yeah, you're right, well, mm-hmm. so I'll stop it, he says, that's not true. Mm-hmm. It's not during work hours. Nobody's, mm-hmm. you know, doing this wrong, and we're, it's only in my office and mm-hmm. so forth, and we're going to continue to have it. Mm-hmm. You know, because they wanted to, you mm-hmm. know, and, and it, came, it got pretty heated, I guess, from what I understand, until finally he said, you know, Hey, you're going to stop this. I quit. Mm-hmm. So it's up to you. And so I kept him. And thought, okay, that's all right. Yeah. So eventually he did, mm-hmm. you know, resign. And now he started a business, mm-hmm. uh, a consulting business, who has become extremely successful. Mm-hmm. I mean, just extremely successful. He's worked with some huge names mm-hmm. that we would, you know, that he consults. And I just think God has, has blessed this mm-hmm. family, this guy and his whole family, mm-hmm. because of his stand Everywhere he goes, mm-hmm. in the face of mm-hmm. at work, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, when I was in high school, I remember wanting to start a Christian club, and I went to a Christian teacher. During lunch, can we meet in your room right. and have a Bible study? Mm-hmm. Oh, no, we can't mm-hmm. do that. Yeah. So a Buddhist teacher said, sure you can. Mm-hmm. And it's like our Christians, Christians are so afraid yeah. to do things at work, and they're not standing where they need to. What yeah, there's a lot of, there's a, a pervasive sense of fear, and and our our best place to to help people is inside their workplace or to help them go back inside their workplace and there are actually a lot of laws that protect us as christians Mm -hmm. to do things we just can't discriminate so an employer can't discriminate and we do we have a a large we have large companies we actually some are uh are publicly traded companies and some are private and so it depends on how it's approached and but there are a lot of people that are afraid to step out because they think that uh, they're going to be persecuted. Or uh, but I found that if most people do it with respect, and you don't try to hide it, uh, if you're an employer, you just can't discriminate. So so for example, if if you came and said, hey, I want to have a a study in our conference room uh, once a week. If another group who wasn't a Christian group wanted to come and do that, you couldn't discriminate against that. So as long as you don't discriminate, you can do all sorts of things. And Coca-Cola Consolidated does a a quarterly webinar. They're the largest bottler of Coke in the United States out of Charlotte. And they do an excellent job. Every quarter they have a thing called T-Factor. And they share how they do this with their employees. They call it, we're a faith-friendly company. And so we, we're very open with who we are, and we want you to be open with who you are. We, we just want to have dialogue. And we're, we're not afraid of your beliefs, and we don't want you to be afraid of our beliefs. We're not going to trick you or take advantage of you or deceive you. Uh, we're here to, to be human beings, and we want to share ideas. And so they, they do a very good job of doing that inside their company of 16,000 employees and they have attorneys that say, hey, this is, these are kind of the boundaries you can take in doing that. So uh, they're a good source for if you're, if you're in a larger company and want to know how to do that well, uh, you can contact me or T-Factor with Coca-Cola Consolidate or Charlotte. They have some great things to offer to people. In that so I know that um, you guys do a lot of groups. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, so I'm going to read off some of what I know. Um, you have work, workplace groups. Mm-hmm. You have small groups. You have forums. Mm-hmm. You have virtual groups, and I guess a lot of others. So one, my question right now, and I want to get back to these groups, but one of the questions I have as you were just talking, do you have a group or a, 
I don't know, a way of study or help with people who may need to know these uh, legal bounds that mm -hmm. they can cross or mm -hmm. cannot cross. Yeah, well, we can help shepherd them with that process. It, it, it really, um, most of them are just common sense respect of how you approach it. And um, I've had uh, studies in my workplace. Matter of fact, in my, where my real estate office is, I have a study in the whole building. And we went to the management company there and said, hey, can we do something here to encourage people? It was during COVID, and it's, it's not uh, denominationally based. We just want to come and encourage people. Is that okay if we use the company or the building conference room? And they said, yeah, so we're just here to encourage people. So we did it well. We did it with respect. It's not coerced. And so we do that once a month in a group there. So it depends. If, it depends really a lot on your company structure and your values. So it, it, there is an element of individual approach to it. Uh, and so we would be glad to help if anybody has questions of, of how to steer them to that process. But I think the main thing is that every company is so different and every workplace is so different is we help people uh, kind of develop their what I call incarnational plan because the workplace really is is the largest sector of society where Christians and non-Christians mix on a day-to-day -day basis in the world. I mean, it, it is huge. It's And it's the place that most people are the most fearful. And I often tell people that, you know, I think if you look at the gospel integration in, in a Christian society, I think the home typically and the family is kind of the hardest because you're rubbing against people every day. But the workplace is most disconnected. It's like people get to work on Monday morning, they just disconnect. And so we try to help people say, okay, it's never going to be perfect, but how can we help you grow from where you are now to taking your faith in your work personally? And then if you want to do things uh, that might impact other people, then we can help you with ways to do that. So our forum groups do that. Uh, we have a group called uh, in, uh, Investing My Life, which is kind of our core study. We started back in the 1980s. It's our first book that we ever produced. It's been rewritten a couple times, but it's 10 lessons on basically just how to invest my life as an ambassador. With 2 Corinthians 5.20, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us be reconciled on, on behalf of the Lord. So it, it, it's just common uh, of saying, okay, how can I represent him well as a human being with other human beings in my workplace? It's not about me being better. It's not about me preaching down to people. It's about me, how do I connect with people on a, a real human basis, you know, face-to-face, life-to-life, how I care about them and, and get involved. So we help people take meaningful steps and do that. You know, we, we had a pastor when I was attending the CBC, uh, Robert Emmett, would talk about this. Mm -hmm. See, I, I am on the other side. It's unfortunate in that way, in a way, because I've never really worked like that in a secular world. I've, mm -hmm. In, I worked in a Christian atmosphere, went to Christian universities mm -hmm. and so forth. Mm -hmm. So when I think of the workplace, it, it's not always, I mean, my workplace is very small. It's, mm -hmm. We have a couple offices and, we right. are, uh -huh. yeah. <laughs> and it, it's what it is. But something Robert Emmett said, you know, a, a believer needs to be going to work. You get there a little early. You work 100% of the time that mm -hmm. you're there. You don't get on your phone and play. Mm -hmm. And you leave a 
couple minutes late, but you do everything mm -hmm. you can, mm -hmm. and that will honor Jesus, mm -hmm. and people will see that. Your employers will see mm -hmm. that. And, and aside from any mm -hmm. witnessing, if you will, that shows right. that you have that integrity mm -hmm. that a lot of people don't. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's and, you know, you're talking about fear. I think it starts back in school. When I was in high school, and I noticed even a few years ago, um, I know of teachers and so forth that will tell students, it's against the law to bring your Bible to school. Mm. I mean, so already you're programmed mm -hmm. before you get in, into mm -hmm. the workforce mm -hmm. of, oh, I'm a Christian, How do, what do I do? Because so yeah. many things are not legal or whatever, what is legal? And then people don't know. Well, and unfortunately, the... Current society, as we live in a quote a post-Christian culture, is that is that um, many Christians are often portrayed as either dumb or um, uh, arrogant, uh, um, not not really connecting with people. And and we have we need to own. We probably have we we need to change how we relate to people as well uh, in terms of our our social interactions and. And one of the things, Alan, that, 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 you know, ever since Martin Luther tacked that 95 thesis on the Wittenberg door, you know, one of the main parts of that was the priesthood of the believer. And that First uh, Peter 2.9 says that we are a royal priesthood. And Second Corinthians 5, we are ambassadors, we're his representatives, is, is, that, is that we work really hard of praying and, and encouraging people to see that there is no sacred secular divide, that there is not a, a church experience and then a work experience, is that everything should be a spiritual experience. And that's the whole foundation of Romans 12, 1, where he says, I urge you, therefore, brethren, uh, by the mercies of God, because of what Christ did on the cross, to present your bodies. That's presenting my mind my thoughts, whenever I'm creating a web page, whenever I'm selling to a customer, whenever I'm emailing a customer, is that everything I do in my body is an offering to God. And, and that is a spiritual service of worship. And so my work should be an aspect of worship. And it doesn't start and stop on a Sunday morning experience. It should be all of life is sacred. All of life is sacred. And so that 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 really helped me. It really it really hit me back when I was leasing warehouse space back in the '80s, and I would go out to uh, a warehouse and I'd open up an overhead door, you know, and there's cobwebs and stuff. That man, how unspiritual is this? You know, spiders running around, and it just felt like you know this is, didn't feel like really serving the Lord. And I, I really saw that this service aspect is that no matter what I do, whether it's a housewife changing diapers or corporate president, you know, making big decisions in a boardroom, if we're surrendered and are offering all of our work, whether we're cutting grass or cutting hair or creating a website, is that's, that should all be an offering to him. And so there should never be a cessation of worship in our life when we get up. Yeah. And so that that is a hard place for people to really... But, but when you, when people get that, they all of a sudden realize that work just isn't bad. They realize that work has a grander purpose because the, the first image we have of God in the Bible is he's working. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what you're talking about is pure worship. Yes, pure worship. Yeah. Most people, unfortunately, today think that worship is when we go to a building and sing songs. 
Yeah. And it's just not worship yeah. at all. The worship is when we uh-huh. give our lives to him in everything we are and everything we do. Yeah. And that's worship. Every day, day 100% all day, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. So what you're explaining is perfectly what it is as, as worship. Yeah, I mean, I like even doing what we're doing now. I mean, we can say, hey, we're we're on a radio station. This is this is worship, you know, and we leave here and we have different tasks we have to do of doing things at that, you know, and I go do emails or call people on the phone and say, okay, this is an expression of who I am. And, and one interesting, let me just share this one thought that really blew my mind, is in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew, there are, uh, there's a word, if you remember, it said, you know, when he told the Israelites, you shall, uh, I want you to come out uh, of Egypt and because uh, I want my people to come out and worship me. In Joshua 24, 15, when he, Caleb or Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And then he says, on six days you shall work. In the Hebrew, there that same word, worship, work, and serve, all comes from the same word called avidah. So it's used hundreds of times in the Old Testament. And in God's perspective, he sees no difference. Avidal, when, when I avidal, is between my work, my worship, and my service are all supposed to be one aspect of who I am, and that I'm not a different person on Monday when I walk into work as when I was on Sunday. And that just, I thought, wow, that is such a neat perspective of how God views our integrated life, you know, that, that spans everything. And so it's not the cessation of, I don't go to a secular job. It's only secular if I make it secular. Mm-hmm. I can I, I can have a spiritual experience in, in my workplace, and I've you know I have I do that. Yeah. yeah. So, talk talk to the audience here about your groups because mm-hmm. I think that's important that you know people may understand if somebody wanted to get in touch with you or wanted to be a part of a group mm-hmm. to help them with their work and in their work area. Talk about your groups. Yeah, we have uh, we have groups that uh, we mainly most of our groups for the most part start like in in the January or right after uh, in the first of February and in September. So we have groups that start at those are kind of our main offerings. But if people want to get involved, we also have kind of some open groups that people can come into. One of the things we do is we have a monthly event called Kingdom Connection. And uh, we just had one down at the Almond actually. Uh, it was a prayer event. We prayed over all the, the tourism and all the hospitality industry of our whole city. And so we had Charles Letty from the Presidian uh, Hotel just a few blocks from here and Steve Zito from the Alamo Dome. They came and said, hey, let's pray over. Say. So we have prayer groups that they can get involved in. And then some of those are those are virtual. They can they can uh, if they're not in the city, they can do that. Uh, and then we also have uh, virtual groups that we start. I've been doing a group in Africa uh, for about three or four years. Uh, and so that group will probably restart back up in, in January. It's a virtual group uh, that we have there. But then we have workplace groups where uh, people can um, can come and join like what we have in an office building here. We've done it out in northwest San Antonio. We can come to a location like at lunch and be a part of that group. Or if you want to do something in your own workplace, we can try to help train you to do that in your work of how do you start something. And we've learned some kind of good ways to go about that. Uh, and we found that some people will try something they give up. We're here to help them for the long haul. And, you know, sometimes just start off small and we can help them get some ideas of how they can start something. It may just be reading the Bible with somebody for 10 minutes a week in their in their conference room. 
So part of that is that we can help them decide, okay, what level do you want to get involved? Probably one of the main things we do is called a Forge Forum group. And those are for people who are managers or leaders in their organization. And it's an intensive group. It's an intensive time where, where you're able to come together with other leaders for an hour and a half every two weeks. And you basically are learning theological concepts of work. You're learning practical steps. We call it orthodoxy, orthopraxy, and orthopathy. We're helping you uh, learn how to study and learn the Bible on your own as a leader so that you're not always dependent upon someone else's teaching. We come together for cross-pollinization of helping each other because of Proverbs 27, 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. So that forum gives an opportunity for people to come and say, This is what I'm learning. This is what I'm learning of what God's teaching me. And people often in those groups say, wow, that's, that's really cool. You know, thanks for sharing that. I, I want to think about how maybe I can, I may not do it the same way that you do it, Alan, but I can maybe take that same idea and do it, you know, in my workplace. So those are more intensive. So we have entry level as well as some more intensive opportunities. Okay. And, and finally, I want to read something here. Um, so biblical liter- leadership for excellence, uh, they have a, a mission and a vision. And I want to read them because I think they're really important for everyone to hear this. Um, First off, let me start here. So you challenge Christians to honor God, to be accountable to him in the marketplace and at home. We've Mm -hmm. talked about this. Okay, so your mission is to help people connect with God's greater purpose in their work. And your vision is to mobilize a growing, cohesive group of people in the workplace to be equipped as effective ambassadors for Christ. And you had just basically said that. Yeah. So I think that um, this is a really interesting and needed ministry. It is. I mean, just a a couple of thoughts there is that only 20 to 30 percent of people at work today are experiencing purpose. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, the statistics are there. You go on the website, look at it. So we have a, a million people that go to work every day in San Antonio. I mean, right now, there's a million people in our city, our metro area, that are working. So just think, that's 700,000 people that don't experience work with purpose. And some of them may experience purpose, but it's not God's purpose. Mm-hmm. And so it is very needed. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a place where a lot of people are hurting uh, they they uh, and maybe they're doing well, and then they find out they've been climbing the ladder if they're against the wrong building. You know, they realize, okay, I've been, I I feel motivated what I'm doing, but I have nothing to show for it spiritually. You know, I have all this money, but is that really what I want at the end of my life? And yeah. so, this greater purpose, we, as we emphasize, is to connect with God's greater purposes. John ten ten, is that am I if I'm not experiencing God's abundant life in my work? And that doesn't mean it feels good, but if I'm, I can experience abundance in God's provision of grace even in hard times. So it's not a matter of whether I'm happy. It's a matter of whether I'm experiencing God's abundant grace, peace, mercy, strength, power, the fruits of the Spirit, even if things are hard. Mm-hmm. So we, we have some great stories of people who have done things well and they've turned out well but we also have stories of people who did things well and it didn't turn out well but they were well it was well with their soul because they knew they had honored god yeah you know and so that's that's how we measure success is not whether we get more money or more prestige is did we honor god with what we did and that's yeah yeah and i think i think that's really important it's mm-hmm. an interesting owning a business so we own a business mm-hmm. and and um we look at things differently um than your typical person or people 
So, unfortunately, there are people that say, I don't like this, or this happened, or this went bad, or something, and so mm -hmm. forth. So, you know, mm -hmm. so you end up having to return, fix, something mm -hmm. out of your own pocket. And sometimes it's not even our own mistake. And it's interesting how we take care of it. And sometimes um, in the world, a lot of a lot of companies won't take care of it. Even a lot of our vendors won't mm -hmm. take care of their own problems yeah. or their own mistakes. And they'll, so they want to negotiate with us. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's all your fault. Yeah. And, and so, but when we deal with yeah. the customers, there's a lot of times we will mm -hmm. eat it. Yeah. You know, and... and uh, there's times when we have and people won't understand and, mm -hmm. and we'll tell them, well, you know, we are believers mm -hmm. in Jesus and, and we want to honor him. And it takes a whole different perspective. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people are afraid to say that. Yeah. Well, and you just said it, Alan, because it's like, you know, there is a blessing in suffering. Mm -hmm. And so when you, when you say eat it, the, the, blessing is, the blessing is you got to follow God. You got to obey and trust God for, your, you know, what you went through. And so that... That is a blessing. We're, we're, we're called to suffer. If, if we haven't experienced hardship in our pocketbook or our resources, then we're really not following. And, and I've noticed that when we do that, mm -hmm. God blesses us somewhere else, <laughs> even in the business. It's really <laughs> remarkable. I think my wife is more amazed at that than anything. She's like, oh, we're going to lose money. But I says, it's okay. And then somewhere else, we get this yeah. big thing going I said, now, now see how God is yeah. blessing. So it, it, she's coming like, wow, it's really okay. Yeah. It's really cool. He does so, take care of his children. He really does. He does. He and we, really don't have does. To, we don't have to hold our fists and, <laughs> and say, okay, I, I've got I've, I've to prove that I'm right. Because that's why I sometimes have to let go of stuff. And, and, and I still experience it in, in my work situations where I see, I, I see where there's, there's hardship and and uh, but anyway, just uh, one other thought I will share is that we do have a, a summit coming up at the end of January. It's a citywide summit. We bring together the other faith at work ministries in San Antonio. There's we work very well together with the other faith at work. We don't have everything that everybody needs for their work. Mm -hmm. uh, there's marketplace chaplains and there's other organizations and, and ministries that are here. And so we host a summit. It'll be at the North Center at the end of January from 8 to 1.45 in the afternoon. And we bring in some world-class speakers. As a matter of fact, one is going to be the fellow who is the CEO of the Pearl. Uh, he's going to be one of our speakers. We'll bring in a fellow from the London Institute of Contemporary Christianity from London who's going to come in and speak. And then we'll have eight breakout sessions of really key leaders in our community that will be sharing breakout sessions. And these are all just to come here and say, hey, let's work together and and see a real change in our workplace here. Because if we come together, God blesses. You know, two are better than one because they have a good return for. It's just like what you're doing now. You have a ministry. You've reached out to other ministry. It's a kingdom mentality that that hey, we're in we're in the kingdom work together. And so let's let's encourage one another in, in the work that we're each of us are led to do. So, and, I, and I noticed that you have a calendar on your website that you have a couple, two or three events monthly. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Yeah, if, if uh, you know if you're interested in finding out more about this ministry, go to our website or find look at the um, at our our website. Basically, go to the, um, the area, click on that, and go to their website, and you'll see a lot of information. You'll see events. You'll see what kind of uh, workshops they do. You're, there's contact information all over the website. So it's really well yeah. done. Well, thank you. I do like your website. Thanks. And we, well, we do, we're doing more with churches, too. So if you're a pastor out there 
we're we're uh, we're doing a lot with Oak Hills right now. We've done a lot with Wayside Chapel. We've done things with Laverne uh, Grace Bible there. We've done things with different churches. We come in and we're not there to to take away their people or take them. We're there to help them train and equip their people to go back into their workplace. Mm-hmm. And so uh, so yeah. So if you're a pastor listening to this, uh, our last event. Uh, we actually have pastors at our tables praying for the workplace people. And so we do that once a quarter. So we're doing a lot with, with pastors and churches, more than we've ever done before, because we want to be working together uh, as a ministry yeah. not, and not uh, be working in isolation. Okay. Well, let's get to our topic. we got a little bit of time here. And our topic is how do I know God's will um, in my work? So I want to mentioned a couple of scriptures that I thought about, and one is in John 8, uh, 31 and 32. So Jesus says, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Mm. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And the second mm. passage is in John sixteen thirteen, where Jesus is talking. He says, but when he, the tr- uh, spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. Now, the reason I picked these scriptures out to start this is because I believe the basis of, or the foundation to begin with any area of finding God's will is to seek Him and mm-hmm. and make a build a foundation on truth, which is Him. Yeah. What do yeah. you think? Oh, definitely. Yeah, and and that John eight thirty one thirty is so powerful because it. What it, it, it's helped me in, uh, or it says, if you live according to my teaching, then you're truly my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth is such free. And what I've noticed that what I, I like to do is I want God to tell me the truth first, and then I decide whether I'm going to follow it. And that's not what that verse is saying. Yeah. He's basically saying, okay, do you really trust me? And so like what you're talking about, the situation when, when people are treating you wrong or, or taking, trying to take advantage of you, are, are we living in a trust factor? And I found that especially when it comes to God's will, uh, and usually where I find this happen most is people will come to me sometimes and say, you know, I, I, I wonder if I need to, quote, go into full-time ministry or I need to change jobs, what's God's will for my life. And, um, and so really seeking the Lord in that is really important of, of, of trying to say, okay, am I, usually when people ask that question, I try to first find out, are they running away from something? Mm-hmm. You know, because sometimes people in the workplace, usually people leave work or they'll leave a church because of a bad relational experience they've had with somebody they don't like their boss they don't the pastors hurt their feelings and they leave and so uh, they're running away from something instead of saying okay god what what do you want me to learn in this situation what are you going to show me that i'm going to trust you and i'm a whether i go or stay i'm going to leave that up to you but i want to learn what i want to learn from it first before yeah. i decide an action on what I do, and it's really funny. So I've um, never, I've always been a only a, a associate pastor, which mm-hmm. probably is okay. My stress level keeps low. <laughs> <laughs> I know too many friends of mine who are senior pastors, and their stress level has gone through the roof. Yeah. So, but the interesting thing about about me is I tend not to keep my mouth closed when things happen. So I, I remember with one church. 
you know, the pastor is kind of closing his eyes to things that you just don't mm-hmm. close your eyes mm-hmm. to. It's just right. sin, you know. Yeah. And and I didn't know certain things, and elders brought it to my attention. And so I says, well, have you told the pastor? Oh, he knows. Mm. He does. <laughs> so I, I approached the pastor. I'm like, okay, I'm going to get fired. <laughs> yeah, right. And I say, you know, and I, well, you know, and you, you need to you need yeah. to correct uh-huh. this. Yes. You are the uh-huh. leader. You are the shepherd of this. Right. And um, and there's a church that I did this more than once, a couple of times. And, and finally, God closed the door for me to continue mm. in that church. Mm. And it was interesting. And it, and it wasn't like... I really didn't want to leave, basically, mm-hmm. but I, but I, um, it was a point where it came to a place where I, I just needed to, mm-hmm. and um, but the people were wonderful. The elders were really concerned about living holy, mm-hmm. and the pastor was closing his eyes to sin. It mm-hmm. was really a hard, hard situation, yeah. and because I'm so vocal, <laughs> and and because of that you know people tend to get upset with me. Um, it was probably a good thing that mm-hmm. I left, you know. Yeah. Well, and those are hard things, and Alan. I've seen that where, you know, I, I kind of see when the situations like that happen to me, there's, there is what do I need to learn and then what do I need to do with that? Yeah. And so sometimes uh, I was visiting a, a, a fellow who was struggling in his work and he, he wasn't being valued with, with what he did. And I don't, I didn't know whether, I don't have the answers of whether he should stay or go. The question often I asked myself whenever I would go through that, because I've worked uh, basically in two entities for, actually three entities over a 40-year period as far as real estate, and there were times I wanted to leave. And I would ask myself, Lord, are you done with what you want to do in me here? And are you finished with what you want to do through me here? Mm-hmm. And those were two important questions that I would ask myself whenever I wanted to pick up my toys and leave, so to speak. <coughs> because it's important to ask that because am I running away from something? And one of the greatest examples of this is David. And um, we have a whole study now set up on, on uh, in our Forge Forum group of studying the life of David's leadership because there's more about him in the workplace than any other person in the scripture. You know, he gets hired at 18 to be king. He's basically mm-hmm. coronated, but he doesn't get to be king until he's 30. Right. So he's running from the most powerful person. It's your boss who's trying to kill you. And so, but he blesses Saul. Even after Saul is dead, he seeks out family members to bless that family. What a heart, you know? Yeah. And so... And so we see with David, David, he was always looking at, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious life. If there's any hurt, what do I need to learn from it? And then what do I do with that? Yeah. And so I would encourage anybody when they're trying to seek God's will in situations like, is what are you learning first? Because usually people come to me and say, you know, I'm having a hard time with my job. Can, can you pray? Most people want to pray for relief first. Yeah. And what we should, and I'll be glad to pray that for you. But my first prayer is, what what should I be praying for you? What does God want you to learn? Because if you don't learn from it what he wants you to learn, it's going to happen again the next place you go. And to me, I think it's also a matter of, of, of being. Where are you? Mm-hmm. Are you 
Well, okay, so there's a scripture in First Thessalonians, and from 4 and in 10, or verse 3 to 10, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but the first verse, it says, it is God's will that you should be sanctified, mm-hmm. set apart, yes. cleansed. Yeah. Okay, but then back, when you go down to verse 10, it says, uh, it says, for God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Yeah. So I think that there's our foundation. There's where we need to start. Mm-hmm. I know too many people that that say, "Well, um, God's not blessing me, mm-hmm. you know." And I'm I'm a Christian. I love God and love Jesus. And I'll turn to them and say, "But you're not living an honest life. You're yeah, not living a, right. a a life of sanctification. You're mm-hmm. just, you know, you're doing your own thing, which is some of these things are not right. And mm-hmm. you're thinking God should bless you. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've got to get it straight there first. Amen. And then he finally mm-hmm. says, he finishes this. He says, therefore. Anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject a human being, but God, the very God who gives you his Holy Mm. Spirit. Mm. And really, where are we we living? Where do we place our life Mm -hmm. before we enter this, okay, God, give Mm -hmm. me, let me have, bless Mm -hmm. me information? Oh, yeah, well, and uh, yeah, that... I I run up against this a lot, and I have to fight in my own life. is that in our American dream, individualistic society, is that when we as Christians think about salt and light, I really think that we overestimate how much salt and light we are. (laughs) Because until we're tested in it, and other people experience it, we really don't have salt and light. And, you know, when we have events, and, and we, we share a lot of stories at our events, and like I said, we share the good and the bad because um, we want people to see that it's not all rosy when we follow the Lord. It's not. And he doesn't owe us to make it up. Sometimes mm-hmm. he does. And um, and so that that, when people see how we react when we are hurt, when we're treated unjustly, when we don't make right choices, when we own our mistakes, that has huge impact on people because they see that that's the life of Christ changing the human heart. And um, I wish I had kind of a salt and light meter that I could shoot on my own heart and other people's hearts so we could look at it and say, you know, you know, I made today about me today. Mm-hmm. And when I made that mistake at work, was I defending myself and covering my tail, or did I did I own my part in it and try to seek restitution? And I tell you, when, when we have events, the things that people remember the most are the pain that people went through and how they learned to re- respond and grow from that. And that is the most powerful thing. I mean, I mean, we think about Jesus. I mean, seeing how he handled suffering and hardship Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, how, how can you not love him? Because he set that example. Yeah. And so when you're talking about that, that, saint, that, and that's sanctification doesn't feel good many times. There's a peace that it does bring, but the process doesn't feel good. Yeah. yeah. And I think in today's society, I'm hearing more and more people, they're keyed in on, I accept his salvation. Mm-hmm. Well, but have you made him Lord of your life? Yeah. Are you following the teachings? And it's like, well, I believe Jesus, mm-hmm. you know, but that really means, are you following his teachings? Mm-hmm. 
And all that is no, mm-hmm. because they're, they're, they're keyed in on, I accept his salvation, mm-hmm. and I believe he's real, and that's got me good, and so I'm great. Mm-hmm. And, and, but why are things going wrong? But the whole basis of the scripture is turning, making him Lord of your life, yeah. you know, and then following his teachings. And this is from cover to cover in the scriptures. Mm-hmm. This is not just a little right. area. And I think that when we bypass this whole mm-hmm. idea of making Jesus Lord, making God Lord of your life, then then I think we're missing the mm-hmm. very essence mm-hmm. of what Scripture is all about. Yeah. Well, and, and, if, and if it's not costing us something, it's not real lordship. Yeah. If it's not costing us our money, our time, our resources, we're kidding ourselves that this is in vain. Let me, let me share a story. There was a, a lady who came to one of our events. Like I said, our uh, many of our events, we... Um, we, we don't usually have people come and preach and teach at an event. We dialogue, just like we're doing. We, we share stories of how they went through the process. And so this lady came, uh, and she heard this person share a hard situation of how they, they were a servant leader at their work. And so she goes back to her office, and so what we pray for is the story after the story. Because anytime we hear a story, when we read a story in Scripture, we want that to impact how we, we, we then live. And so she went back to her workplace, and this uh, one of her employees uh, came to her, and she was kind of, he said, I want to raise. And she said, oh, well, okay, well, let me think about it. And then he kind of went off sheepishly about it. And she remembered the story that she saw earlier of how this person worked through that. And so then she calls the, the person up, and he uh, he works around town on different projects. And she said, I want to get together. I want to talk about what we talked about this morning. And he started backpedaling. All of a sudden, he's feeling embarrassed. Uh, and she said, no, I, w- I want to meet with you. And um, he backpedaled some more. And she says, where are you going to be? And, and, and he told her. She said, well, there's a Starbucks. So I'll meet you there. And so when, he, when she drives up to the parking lot, he's calling her saying, it's okay. He thinks he's going to get fired from, from the position. I found this out later. We didn't, she didn't know at the time. She goes in, and she sits down with him over a cup of coffee, and she has now removed, as a servant leader, she's removed from her boss's chair at her workplace, Mm -hmm. gone to a neutral place where they're person to person, and she just says, she says his name, and she says, what's going on? You just don't seem like yourself lately. She asks him one simple question. He starts crying things aren't good at home and they ended up having a it changed their relationship because it caught she was a busy she was a busy busy person but she took time out of her schedule to go and meet with somebody she came back from behind her boss's desk to be human to human and just ask one question you just don't seem like yourself lately yeah. and see how that powerful of of of, of being like jesus as a as a servant leader, and she says it changed the relationship there as well. You know, I never heard whether the guy got the raise or not, because that wasn't the important part uh, of of the story. The important part is that is that she took time to follow what f- she felt like God was prompting her to do to love somebody, to care for them yeah. in a real work situation that cost her her time. It's interesting because you know a lot of people are concerned about work and where they fit and what to do and how to do and where God's will is as an employee. But then when we talk about employers uh-huh. or the bosses, uh-huh. you know, it, it's, it, it may be different, but it's still the same. I don't know yeah. how that doesn't, it sounds 
not right, but I believe that the best leaders mm-hmm. um, in the world are those who invest their time and their life into the people that yes. are below them or that uh-huh. they work with. Yeah. Because you can be a leader and do lots of great things, mm-hmm. but those who invest their time are investing in people who will become leaders. And I think the people that do that are not just good leaders. They're mm-hmm. great leaders. Mm-hmm. It, it, yeah. They are yes. truly great leaders. Yeah, because they, they invest in that. And, and, and uh, there was a fellow that I I'd used to go by his office. Um, he was a tenant. This was many years ago. And he had the Bible out. And, and we had great conversations about the Bible. Then I found that some of those people didn't enjoy working. He was not a good boss, mm-hmm. and which was sad. And so insights, just talking the Bible and having insights alone if it's not transferred into a real heart of serving, like you're yeah. talking about, it, it it it's not really impactful. And and so what I, especially what we help business owners really look at, is that it's not about posting. Um, you know, if you're in a company like Hobby Lobby, they post scriptures very openly. They're what I call a faith-based company, and that's a great way. There's other companies what I call faith-friendly company, and they're, they're just not one's better than another. As the other faith-friendly, they basically they follow values that are biblical, mm-hmm. and they may not put a scripture with it, but they're scripturally based. And so that's a that is a very great way to run a business uh, if if you want to because. People can't argue with values because most of the values in terms of respect, integrity, uh, honesty, diligence, um, you know, th- those are values that are there. And and I've even I there was even a Christian company that actually asked one of their Christian partners to leave because that Christian partner was not following the values of the company. And so the values can determine how you hire and disengage people because you you unite around the values, and yeah. and you can you can know that they're biblically based, but you don't have to stamp a Christian. And, and I think you see that everywhere. When I was young, so I listened to groups like the Beatles and Simon and Garfunkel, mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and Simon and Garfunkel sang a song that I think is probably one of the most spiritual songs, gospel songs ever, but it's a rock song. It's called Bridge Over Troubled Water. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, I remember the song, yeah. It's like, you know, yeah. this is Bible, <laughs> you know, as a rock song. Yeah, you know, of course, right. it's a soft rock, but right. still, yeah, sure. it's not it's not valued uh-huh. as a Christian song, right. but it really is biblical-based, mm-hmm. and, and it's amazing. So I think you're right. I think you can see this anywhere. Uh-huh. It's interesting. So I've written down here... Uh, the things that we need to do, other, other, more than just following the teachings of God, is surrendering your life mm-hmm. completely yeah. to God. And that's where we go back when we were talking about worship. What is worship? Mm-hmm. It's when you surrender your life completely mm-hmm. to Him. Um, I have a thing I wrote down here. I said, Jesus was willing to die for us, so shouldn't we be mm-hmm. li- willing to live for Him? Amen. Okay? I love that. And I think that's... That's so important. Mm-hmm. And if we grasp that in our own personal life day to day, our work area mm-hmm. is taken care of. Mm-hmm. I truly believe that. And no matter where you are, you know, I've worked in Christian organizations and churches and schools, and there's just as much garbage there mm-hmm. that there is well, in the exactly right. secular yeah, world. Right. And I've, mm-hmm. seen, I've seen good and bad, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, um, 
But I really believe if we take a stand to live in a place that says, I am surrendered to him, just like you said mm-hmm. in Romans 1, mm-hmm. 12, 1, mm-hmm. you know, that's where it begins is, is our surrender to him. Mm-hmm. We give him all of our life. Mm-hmm. And if we can do that, I mean, there's a, there's a verse I wrote down that um, uh, Micah 6, 8, he has shown you, O man, what is good mm-hmm. and what does the Lord require of you? but to do justice, mm. to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Amen. I mean, this is what God expects of us. Mm-hmm. So when we take the scripture like that, apply it to our lives, walking into any kind of a business mm-hmm. is where God will bless you. That's exactly right. It really is. Yes. So yeah, it's so good to have you. Well, thank you so it's much. So it's been a yes. wonderful, wonderful discussion. Yeah. I really appreciate. Well, I that. enjoyed the dialogue too very much. So. And bless you for what you're doing on Believer's Journey. because oh. it is a journey, and I love I love that title. That it's a it's a journey, and it's a it's a good journey. It, yeah. it doesn't make it easy journey, but yeah, it's 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 so biblical in terms of. I yeah. think why I got to that was I wanted to get away from it was just an event mm-hmm. and we end, but no, it's a continuation. Yeah. It's a you know of yeah. A life, I, so. I told my wife that I said, you know, I'm not where I want to be, but I'm not where I could be. Yeah. <laughs> 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 thank thank you, Lord. Yeah, I'm, I see things that I need to grow in, and so, but man, I am glad I'm not where I was. And oh, me too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for joining us. And um, if you're interested, just, you know, look up, uh, go to our website, look up this uh, website here for BLE and see what they have. And also, I wanted to ask, oh, I guess we don't have any time, but, you know, if there's anything you want to do to help out this organization, um, just contact them. They do have a contact form. You can send an email to them. And uh, just ask them and, and see what you can do, whether you want to be a part of this group or you want to support this group, uh, encourage this group, pray for this group. Um, so, everyone, you all have a wonderful day. You have a wonderful week. And aloha. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. Salemnow.com. <laughs> 